You are listening to the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. These talks are made possible in part by generous donations from our listeners. To find out how to support and take part in our community, visit zennovascotia.com. All my past and harmful karma. I say this every day. I've said this every day for years. And here we open the ceremony with it. But my relationship to it has changed a lot over time. I think when I first had to say this, I felt a lot of resistance to it. I felt that I was being pushed through a kind of confessional. And then later, I started to feel really bad. You know, there was a, there was a period when I started really looking deeply at my life and looking deeply at karma and starting to think how heavy the responsibility of my life was and so, when I said all my past and harmful karma, I was saying it as a, as a bad person, as a villain. And now, at least for now, it feels more like fact. All my past and harmful karma born from beginningless Greed, hate, and delusion. There are lots of interpretations at this turn. (laughs) What does it mean if it's beginningless? There can be a feeling almost of original sin. (laughs) that, That we must all be endowed with these things and that this must be our birthright. By the way, we say, we say all my past and harmful karma born from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, because that's the translation that has caught on, and it kind of rolls off the tongue, and now we just say it. But greed, hate, and delusion is not a great way of describing this list, the three poisons. It sounds very narrow. You know, greed... Is, is grasping, mm-hmm. right? When we say greed, I think we imagine, uh, uh, what is that cartoon duck? Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck, thank you. You know, who has the big house full of gold, right? That's greed. I mean, that's, that's the far end of the greed spectrum. Grasping is, is something more instinctive than that. Right. It doesn't mean we actually have to grab it. It doesn't mean that we, we always want more of one thing, which I think is what a lot of greed speaks to. It's that we, we just want a little bit of everything. You know, there's, there's a longing that we feel when we see something that is pretty or shiny or when we encounter a person who has uh, a circumstance that's different from our own, 
right? It isn't even conceptually possible that we could have that thing. But still, it's like we put a, we put a little tentacle on it. And even when that person walks away, we're still holding that, that idea. You know, some people really suffer with Facebook because of this. They, they, they say that whenever they turn on, they're just, they're watching all these people succeeding, right? They're posing in front of their new house and in front of their new car and they're talking about their new job and, and uh, it awakens in, the, in them this feeling of, of nothing is enough. It's dukkha. It's very, very basic. And then hatred, I think, sounds very, very strong. I can't think of many things that I hate. So here I would use the word aversion. It's just what we resist. It's what we put away. It doesn't have to be active. In fact, in 99 cases out of 100, it's not. It's that you choose not to look at something. You choose not to see something. You choose not to think about something. Right. When you're given two options, you choose this one over this one. And there's some grasping and there's some aversion. <laughs> right. It's very subtle. And then delusion is okay. <laughs> but I think we invite more possibilities when we say ignorance. It isn't, I think delusion has a feeling of being confused or, or even crazy. It's just that we don't see. We don't see things as they are. And out of these three things, out of this grasping, out of this aversion, and out of this ignorance, we make choices. Most of our choices come out of some combination of these three. It isn't because we're failures. It isn't because... We're inherently evil. It's that these three are easy. <laughs> They're all kind of defaults. That's the first thing to say. But then I want to go back to this idea of beginningless. As I said, there are lots of different interpretations, and mine is not necessarily the most popular one. But I don't believe in the idea of personal karma. Nothing is independent of something else. And so beginningless grasping, aversion, and ignorance are not just our grasping, aversion, and ignorance. everything that has brought us to where we are now. That's our lineage. That's our inheritance. We can't possibly divorce ourselves from that. We can't possibly separate ourselves from the ignorance of our parents. We can't possibly separate ourselves from the grasping of the culture. or the aversion. 
We can form a more subtle relationship with it. We can be more aware of it. But first we have to acknowledge that it's there and we have to acknowledge that it is working in us and through us all of the time. The voices we hear in our heads are not just our own voices, but we are still making decisions based on the voices we encounter. All my past and harmful karma, born from beginningless grasping, aversion, and ignorance, through body, speech, and mind. Body, speech, and mind are just the three ways we can do anything. <laughs> right? There are a lot of lists like this in Buddhism that are intended to be comprehensive. This is the comprehensive list of the tools that you have for wreaking havoc on the world or for doing something positive. <laughs> this is how you express your life. I now fully avow. This is a word we never use. I never use this word outside of this one chant. It never comes up in a meeting. <laughs> It never comes up in a conversation with my kids, but it's a great word. It's like confess, but it's, but it's, it's a little more like acknowledge. Right? Confession is heavy. Confession is so... Well, our cultural understanding of confession, where we imagine a booth... <laughs> And going in and saying, forgive me because I looked with lustful eyes on the neighbor. That's pure delusion. <laughs> the idea that you could look at your life, and this is much of what this verse is speaking of. The idea that you could look at your past week and that you could isolate that one thing that was wrong. <laughs> this is one thing I really need to mention. <laughs> right? In everything else, it's fine. It isn't about saying, I did this, I did this, I did this. Which is why we don't do it that way. Right? In this verse, in this repentance verse, we acknowledge something much, much bigger. Something total, right? It's not that I made this mistake or this mistake or this mistake. It's saying as honestly and as directly as possible that I am of the stuff <laughs> to make infinite mistakes. And I take responsibility for that. Not in a way that clears the slate. Not, it's not that you say this every morning and now you're starting at zero. <laughs> not at all. You're saying, I know who I am. I know that this compounds itself. But I take responsibility and I go forward into the world recognizing Honestly, 
how I function so that I might alleviate that a little bit, so that I might bring some subtlety to that, so that I might bring some awareness to that, so that I might try to find in this moment or this moment a little bit of an antidote. We have a fantasy, I think, of blamelessness. That's what we want. I don't think I'm alone in wanting that. And I think of things I did, especially when I was young, where I would... I remember ending a relationship with a girlfriend and all the kind of machinations of that, the manipulations, the time that I took so that I could put everything in place so that at the end of the day, I had been a good guy. You know, that was important to me. I had to be without blame. It was really separate from her experience. It was really separate from my feelings. It was this idea that there was a ledger. <laughs> and that someone was going to evaluate my performance, right? And I was going to make, I was going to do things in a very clean way. This is what we, because we want to be able to sleep at night. It's part of the discussion right now in the United States, in politics. People want to be able to sleep at night. So they say, well, I won't, I won't vote for this one. And I won't vote for that one. Mm -hmm. Because both of them leave me feeling responsible for something that's wrong. So in order that I might have a clear mind and a clear conscience, I choose neither. That comes out of a fantasy of blamelessness. And it's a child's fantasy. That you can live and breathe and work in the world and not have responsibility for that world. The idea that somehow you can uh, recuse yourself from anything is a fantasy. The idea that you can read in the newspaper that there's a problem somewhere else with someone else in some other place and say, that has nothing to do with me. Is what we want most, but it is a direct violation of everything that we're taught in this tradition. The question when we look in the newspaper and we see something that looks like it's over there or it looks like it's someone else is, why do I think that's over there? <laughs> and why do I think that's someone else? How am I connected to this? Even if it's through my own assumptions or through my apathy, through my silence.
How am I part of that problem? And again, none of this is so that we walk around burdened. Right? None of this is so that we walk around with the weight, the knowledge that we are responsible for everything in the world. It's the opposite. That when you really take up this practice, when you really say, I fully avow, you release yourself of the burden, of the question, of how good you are, or how blameless you are. You move beyond defensiveness. My children, uh, if I say, well, where did the markers go? On a good day, they'll say, well, I, I hid them. But on many days, what they'll say is, immediately, I didn't do anything. Why are you asking me this? Right? And they'll back themselves up against a wall. What they could say is, oh, yeah, I took those. And I would say, why did you take them? And you said, well, to, to drive my brother crazy. I knew he wanted them, so I hid them. Right? That would be an unburdened child. <laughs> right? But there's this impulse from birth to defend our position, right? To defend our blamelessness even when, and I would say especially when we know it's a lie, right? What I would argue is that if you are an adult and if you are looking with clear eyes upon your life, you know that blamelessness is a lie you know that lack of responsibility is a lie. Always. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a desire, an instinct to create that defense still. In the Tibetan tradition, we have the slogan, drive all blames into one. It's very similar. It's very powerful when something goes wrong for someone to say, I take responsibility. Again, not to say it's my fault, not to say I'm to blame, not to, not to say I did it, but to simply say, I'll take responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. It's very refreshing because it's unbelievably rare. But in the moment that it happens, the unburdened person is the one who does it, right? That's not taking something on. That's dropping the anxiety and the contraction in the room around the question of blame, right? That's the move, that's the choice of someone who will be capable 
of doing something positive in the next breath. Because that person is now unhindered. Everyone else in the room who is looking around trying to figure out what their defense is, or trying to figure out what their culpability is, is hindered. They're stuck. Because their story is more important than moving forward. I find this verse really powerful. Sometimes uh, I hear these conversations of, if everyone would do this, wouldn't that be great? You know, and, and it's often, if everyone practiced mindfulness, the world would be a better place. Or if everyone meditated a little bit, the world would be a better place. Or if everyone would do Tonglen, the world would be a better place. Those are all true. <laughs> but one of my versions of that would be, if everyone would, would just wake up and, and say this verse three times. Really say it. Maybe sometimes say it in the mirror. I think it would, it, would, it would crack something open in the world. Think how hard it is to say you're sorry. And how, when you do say it, things open up. Here we're invited to do that on, on the level of the whole world. This is the whole world looking the whole world in the eye and saying, I accept. I think that's possible. And I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.